Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. To say it's unusual, I think, Nicola, is an understatement. I've been a journalist for over about 13 years now. I can't remember anything quite like this. The, the, the situation, everything surrounding it is just bizarre. Why it happened is, is beyond anybody's sort of guess. It's, it's just such a, such a bizarre thing to have happened. It's almost impossible to gauge what happened to Noah. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. It's the case that has baffled Northern Ireland and just over a year since the body of schoolboy Noah Donoghue was found in a drain, it's clear that there are still more questions than answers. This week, a preliminary inquest into the 14-year-old's death has heard that a prisoner has now said his cellmate confessed to murder and that the PSNI will now have to investigate the strange claims. So will the latest alleged jailhouse confession simply join a long list of theories and false leads which have dogged the case? And will the PSNI ever get to the bottom of what happened in the last hours of Noah's life? Today, I'm talking to Sunday World reporter Jamie McDowell about the ongoing agony for the Donoghue family, about an investigation marred with rumour and hearsay, and about the mysterious last journey of Noah. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Just remind me what the update on this Noah Donoghue case is this week. The pre-inquest review hearing was yesterday, so that was the sort of the mechanism starting starting to get going. Um, it was dominated by a story which appeared in the in the Sunday World, which uh, appeared to suggest uh, that a prisoner had told another prisoner while while both were were inside that uh, he had apparently broken down and admitted to the uh, admitted to the the killing of Noah which uh, it really set the cat among the pigeons yesterday at the hearing. It dominated events, and I think the Donahoe family, more than anything else, where they were 
trying to get their point across that they they wanted a criminal investigation into this. They didn't want a, a coronal investigation into it. They wanted the police involved. And if this information had came to light, then this is the route that they wanted to take. Now, whether that means the inquest is delayed or or where where we take it from there is a bit unclear at this time, but um, there will be another one in September. So between now and then, it's uh, it's really up in the air. So it's probably exactly the same as down here. If there is a murder, obviously there's a criminal investigation or, you know, an unexplained death that shows that there was something untoward happened. Yeah. But in the case of a, a death um, that is a tragedy, I suppose mm-hmm. you could call it, or or some sometimes unexplained, but no suggestion that anything untoward happens. The coroner does the inquiry. So the yeah. police investigate in the same way, but they hand all their files to the coroner and then the coroner hears it. And the problem is with this is that now there is this question mark over whether or not the PSNI should get involved. Now, the PSNI have said that they're investigating this new information. The problem is, is this going to delay the inquest further or is this going to be something which, you know, they can get to the bottom of rather quickly? Um, it, what goes on inside prison walls, as you know yourself, is, is sometimes blurred in terms of the lines between truth and and what's actually being said. There, there are issues within prisons. There are people who say certain things. So it's, it's hard to sort of, it's hard to ascertain how exactly the PS and I will go about that. Um, I think they're in a very difficult position there, as as they have been during the investigation into Noah. Um, there are obviously been plenty of questions asked over over the investigation and the way they went about it. So let's rewind a little bit to the beginning, really, which was June of last year, and Noah Donahue, fourteen year old schoolboy, goes missing, and. What date did he did he disappear on, or, or what 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 are the circumstances, you know, that we first hear of him? June twenty first, Father's Day, actually. Um, now he left his house in the Lower Ormo area, his family home. I actually uh, retraced the steps that week. We went down through. He was on his bicycle. Obviously, he left his family home. I think that was shortly after five o'clock, heading to his friend's house, which is in the sort of North Belfast area. Um, it's it's a good bike ride. I do it myself on occasion. Um, it's it doesn't involve a lot of going on main roads or anything like that. Uh, for a kid like Noah, he maybe just go up in the footpath anyway. But very close to his home, there is a sort of a cycle highway, one of these two lane cycle highways that takes you straight down uh, to City Hall. Essentially, from there, it's very easy to get into an area called Corn Market, which is a pedestrianised area in the centre of Belfast, big shopping area, a very popular area. And that would have taken him from there. There's a couple of routes he could have taken under Royal Avenue, uh, which then is a thoroughfare into the North Belfast area. From there, it gets a little bit complicated. Um, there are different routes he could have taken. There were different suggestions that he may have gone through Tigers Bay or that he could have just kept going straight uh, down the York, York Street, which later turns on to York Road, and later the Shore Road, which is the last uh, area that he was seen in on the North Road Road that was facing the Crusaders football ground, Seaview. So uh, the thing about it was, at that time on a Sunday, you know, <laughs> Belfast wouldn't be particularly busy. Shops close at six o'clock on a Sunday. Um, it wouldn't have been rammed with shoppers, so... 
It's a time of the day where you could sneak through the city, especially if you're a school kid with your backpack on and a helmet. You know, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be something that would be, you, you wouldn't particularly stand out. You know what I mean? So I, th- I think to that certain extent, that could have been, you know, one of the reasons why no, uh, there, there weren't very many sightings of him. Um, there was a suggestion that uh, somebody had seen him fall and hit his head. Um, although uh, what really happened there is is a bit confusing. It was initially suggested that that happened in the North Queen Street area, although he was later last seen cycling uh, down past the Grove Wellbeing Centre, which is just at the bottom of the Shore Road. And uh, I think it was the, the, the police had said at the time that upon examining the CCTV footage that uh, he looked like, you know, he looked like he was just a young lad making his way up the road. You know, it didn't appear that there was anything anything wrong with him at that stage. So that night, Jamie, and it, like when we say that night, it's a summer evening, so it is bright. Mm. It's not like a dark winter's night or anything like that. He was to make it to the friend's house. He clearly never made it to the friend's house. So how was the alert sounded and how quickly? Well, this is where it gets sort of confusing. Now, to describe the Northwood Road, it's facing the football stadium, it's on the shore road, but you, you turn left and it's a cul-de-sac which goes slightly uphill. Uh, it's a quiet residential street. Uh, it's, it's very nondescript, Nicola, to be honest. You know, uh, you go up, there's a couple of houses, cul-de-sac at the back, mm. and there is uh, a house which was there. And at the end of their driveway, there is this grassy area going uphill. Right. Um that's where the uh, drain was, the drainage system where he, you know, where he Noah up. sadly went mm. into. It's it's a street where children play, you know, it's sunny evening. You have kids knocking about. It just, the street was quiet at that time. But so I think it was after that, whenever whenever she, people realized that, you know, something was up. Um Noah was last seen at about 11 minutes past six on that area, but it wasn't until eight o'clock the next day that the PS and I actually came out to collect the bike. Mm. I mean, as I say, it's a nice neighbourhood. Um, that area, the Shore Road, well, the Shore Road, it, it's, it's a very, you know, I guess it's one of those areas that uh, down the, the years of the Troubles, it's it's been close to interface areas, close to the New Lodge. Uh, it does give a, it has had, a, had bad things happen there on both sides of the community, the Shore Road is a very tight, very proud community, you know. Um, it is the type of place where, you know, if you were to, you know, drop your bike, that somebody would come out and pick it up, you know, and leave it there. Or if you, you know, if a child, if you walk, walked out and you saw a child's hat and gloves in the ground, you would, you know, set it up on the walls so somebody could come and find it. So- and in the meantime, Jamie, had Noah's family realised that he hadn't made it to his friend's house and had they also alerted the PSNI on the Sunday night? Or? Well, at, at this stage, I think that's that's quite unclear. What One of the things I would say is um, I believe his friend was living maybe up in the sort of Antrim Road area. Whenever Noah turned left onto Northwood, um, he could have, you know, I don't want to speculate or anything, but if Noah was lost, the first thing that struck me down there was he could have thought the Antrim Road is higher up than the Shore Road. He could have thought and going uphill, maybe if he was a bit lost, he would have thought, well, if I go uphill, I can't go wrong because the shore road's very flat. It just stays flat. So that was one of the things that sort of struck me. But um, 
I don't think, you know, at this stage, I don't think on the Sunday night, on the, on, on the Saturday, um, I don't think it was it was terribly clear to anyone that, that a child had gone into the drainage system there. Um, I spoke to a friend of the lady who found the bike and she is from the, she's from the area, she's nearby as well. And she grew up in the area behind the thicket where the drainage system was or the entrance to the drainage system was. And she explained to me, she, she sort of said, look at this time of the year in the summertime, it's a very overgrown area. You know, you would, it, it would be difficult to sort of, for, for a young lad, it would be, now Nick, uh, Noah wasn't, yeah, he was 14 years old, but he was quite big. You know, he was a well put together lad. He was an athlete as well. But uh, she had said, you know, it, it was a difficult sort of area to, it would be a difficult area for anyone to traverse, essentially, you know. So what do we know of next that happened when, when say, for example, the likes of you and, and other journalists were alerted that there was a teenage boy missing? When does that happen and when does the searching start? Well, it was really in the next 48 hours. And, uh, you know, it became, and, and then, you know, it's that crucial 48 hours where you start to realise something, something is, something bad has happened here. Um, I think as a journalist, when you saw when you saw that photo of Noah for the first time in a school uniform, you're kind of looking at him and you're thinking, this isn't a kid who plays truant. This isn't a kid who, uh, you know, has gone to his mate's house and not told his mum or hasn't, or has gone to another friend's house with it without telling his mum. He was a smart kid um, by all accounts. So I think at that stage, people began to realise something was up. Uh, the whole matter wasn't essentially helped by rampant speculation on social media. Um, there were some very bold claims made about uh, the Shore Road area. Um, it's a working class, well, largely a working class, Protestant, uh, loyalist, unionist area. Um, there were suggestions that... Uh, going into old stereotypes that because Noah was a mixed-race kid, because he went to a Catholic school, perhaps there were more sinister elements um, around the area had been involved in his disappearance. And, and these rumours really started to fly quite rapid, rapidly on social media with very little grounding whatsoever, you know. Um, but, uh, but throughout the week, it was said, you know, until the police... And the authorities came to the conclusion that Noah had gone into the drainage system. The communication wasn't great between the police and, and the media, but at that stage, it, there was an aura of, you know, this this is where, this is what's happened. This is where the bike has been found. This is where the drainage system entrance is. And, you know, it was whatever had happened to him. And it wasn't clear at that stage to journalists whatsoever what had happened to him, but it, you know whether it had been an accident or something more sinister. But at that stage, it was clear, you know, whatever had happened to Noah, that this is this is where his body was. In a way, Jamie, like even though we're a year on, it's still not really clear, is it? Okay, his body was found in this drainage system in very peculiar circumstances. Um, I think the post mortem has concluded he drowned, and that there's no evidence of an attack or anything like that on him. The family obviously are desperate for answers and maybe the communities and the people are too because it, it is a really unusual case. But to say it's unusual, I think, Nicola, is an understatement. It's, it's you know, 
I've been a journalist for over about 13 years now. I can't I can't remember anything quite like this. Um, not that I've covered or not even anything that I've read about or, or seen. I mean, it's the, the situation, everything surrounding it is just bizarre. Um, I mean, there, there are certain things that people just can't put together about suggestions that he had a photogra- photograph taken with people in, in Belfast city centre, suggestions that... Uh, you know, different elements in the area were involved. Um, there was the, there was a suggestion that uh, the CCTV outside the Grove Wellbeing Centre, which I know very well, the CCTV captured him there at about 6 o'clock or 6.01, mm. uh, but it was 11 minutes past 6 when he was captured on CCTV on the Northwood Road. That's 10 minutes on a bicycle. You're talking a two-minute ride. So in between that time, you know, it's it's a long time on a bicycle to get from the Grove to to the Northwood Road. Now, obviously, there was key things also that happened during that week and sightings and stuff and how he was found that we, we should really go through. Um, when he left his home, he had with him his laptop, his school books and a book by Jordan B. Peterson called 12 Rules for Life. When I talked about the, the you know, the staff at St Malachy's and how they talk about... Uh, they talk about Noah as a very intelligent boy, and he was a very, you know, he, he wore a school badge on his sleeve. He uh, he was a, an, an ardent runner. He played for the rugby team. He uh, he played basketball. But when it, when people talk about him being smart, I mean, this book is this book's heavy reading for for adults, and uh, for him to be carrying a book like that, I think it's quite. Now, the the book was in vogue at the time as well. You know, it was making a lot of headlines. Some people might have described it as controversial, but and I think Jordan Peterson at one one stage even became aware of of the Noah story uh, because of this. But I mean, it's it, it was just a, quite a striking thing. I thought it, it's a kind of a a self help book, isn't it? Written by yeah Peterson, who's a Canadian clinical psychopsychologist and psychology professor. So. Uh-huh. Um, you know he's he is the, the the real deal, and it provides life advice through a series of essays, yeah, which are abstract or whatever. So yeah, look, fourteen year old kids can be into all sorts of stuff. Um, sometimes they find it in in um, proper literature. Sometimes they find it in music, don't they? In poetry and and uh, you know in in famous rock stars who who die in circumstances can sometimes become a sort of a Bible to them or whatever. So he was found with this book, or sorry, this book was, where was the bag found and where were his clothes found? Because what we haven't mentioned yet is, of course, that when his body was tragically discovered, he was naked. The bag and his laptop were found at one stage uh, and taken away by a guy called Daryl Paul who uh, later actually admitted to that and was jailed. He said that the bag and the laptop were found in a sort of on a, you know, on a roadside or on a, you know, under a bridge or something like this. And that it may have been dumped by Noah as he cycled past. This guy picked it up and sold it on and ended up being charged himself with, with uh, in connection to it. But another peculiar aspect, and I suppose... In a case where there seems to be lots of theories, 
it's it's throwing another element in, isn't it? There are so many spanners thrown into the works in this uh, in terms of just little details that keep cropping up like this. I think, to be honest as well, Nicola, this is what really f- has fueled the the supporters of Fiona Donahoe and her family is is, is that it doesn't seem to end. It just mm-hmm. even if we look at you know the the uh, pre inquest hearing. It's it's just ongoing, and it, there just seems to be t- so many layers to to the story for the the family of Noah to just give up. There just seems to be too many things that keep cropping up all the time that that haven't been heard before. Um, even in the weeks after Noah's disappearance, and it's it. I mean, I suppose the hardest bit was, you know, as a journalist, especially in those weeks after his disappearance, was to try and discern fact from fiction because rumours swirled madly. Um, even on the day Noah disappeared, you know, there was there was journalists picking up rumours saying, you know, his body has been found here, his body has been found there. There was a rumour at one stage that his body had been found outside Mount Vernon, which is a, a Mount Vernon uh, flats with a, a largely loyalist area, which again I think fed into the imagination of people that that want wanted uh, to blame one side of the community, you know. So uh, you know, for the family, it, it must be uh, you know they talk about every mother's nightmare, but for it to be going on so long for Fiona like this, it must be absolutely horrendous. And I suppose all that was fueled by the length of time it took to find his body, which was essentially a week. He was yeah. a week missing. And all the while, people were out searching. I think you were involved in some of those searches, Jamie, weren't well, you? We, we, went out with the, uh, we went out with the community rescue service um, mm. who had... Now, it was a tough day for them because, uh, because of the heat, essentially. It was un- uncharacter- uncharacteristically humid in Belfast that day. I remember that morning. Um, we went down and met the, uh, the search team in the Asda car park on the shore road and went out with them and they kindly let us go along with them. And I mean, they went, first of all, we went to the Northwood road where Noah was last seen, which is the cul-de-sac with the, the thicket at the top of it, where the, the uh, entrance to the, the drainage system was. And I mean, it was, they were pretty forensic. They were literally examining every grain on the ground um, drains, uh, people's bins. We spoke to a woman there who said that, uh, by the police came out. By the time the police, you know, spoke to residents, she said uh, this was on the on the on the Monday, I think. She said on the Monday evening, uh, she still wasn't aware of of Noah um, or what what had happened. She brought her wheelie bins out. Uh, they were emptied on the Tuesday morning, and she said if she had known the situation and what was going on, she would have she wouldn't have put her bins out just in case, you know, somebody had discarded something and tr- tried to throw them away. So I think. At that stage, some of the residents, you know, we picked up a little bit of a uh, a vibe off the residents that they they weren't too happy with not being filled in by by the authorities sooner about what had happened. Um, the uh, the the uh, the search the uh, search guys we were out with. I mean, they they were second to none. They they, they went through everything. They were. Uh, respectful, very kind to people who were, who they were talking to. Residents were standing out the front of their houses at this stage because it was obviously a bit of a media storm as well. Um, we spoke to many of the residents. You know, I suppose the first people you you would go to, you, you would say to them that have CCTV in their house, you could see the CCTV, and uh, you'd say to them, "Look, have the police taken your CCTV?" or 
And, you know, if they did, did, did you see anything? Did you, you know, see no on it? Um, now, I believe one of the houses did pick no up on CCTV. I may be wrong in that, but one of the things was a lot of the houses, they just had fake CCTV things on them. So, uh, you know, just as a security deterrent. So it was, I mean, it, it was... It was quite uh, heartbreaking in that respect, you know. How far away was his body actually discovered from where this bike had been discarded? So the the drainage system from the sort of grassy sort of thicket um, just beside the house where his bike was discarded, I'd say his bike from there to the drain could only be a matter of metres. Um, it would have been, there was a, there was a smallish fence um, I say a medium-sized fence that I'd say a 14-year-old boy the size of Noah would have been okay getting over into there. Um, he was eventually discarded near a, a TransLink service area. Now, I believe this was quite a good way away from uh, where he went into the drainage system. It's a long drainage system. It goes, it runs the whole way. The shore road is appropriately named the shore road, so it runs the whole way along the shore right up right up uh, right up to sort of Carrickfergus direction. It's very low-lying beside it, in between the shore road and the coast. You have the motorway, but you also have one of the main train lines and a TransLink service area, and then the sea. So he, I think Noah had gone down far enough uh, in the drainage system that uh, the authorities had said that it was, it was difficult to actually uh, recover his body because it was so close to the sea that you would actually get water surges during high tide. So uh, I think that affected it as well. Are you talking about like sort of a kilometre-ish? About that, yeah, yeah. I mean, he would have gone, it was it was quite a, it was a, a f- far away, you know, it was a far away area from, from where he'd fallen in. It was. And you've seen this drainage system, I presume, like yeah. is this a system that you could have walked through? Can you stand up in it? Or are you talking about you crawl your way? I would say it would, you, it would be something you could maybe crawl through, yeah. Um, maybe not for an adult, but for, for a boy. I know it was, I believe he was quite tall, but he was a slim lad. Um, the, uh, the entrance to the, uh, there was obviously quite a lot of uh, media coverage at the time because it turned out that the entrance to the or the grating, you know, the metal bars over the entrance to the drainage system were actually unlocked at the time. So a person with Noah's strength probably would have been able to lift that and, uh, you know, enter it that way if that's what happened. Obviously, we can't speculate, but at the time it was unlocked. And were there other exits from it on the way along that kilometre, did you know? Uh, not that I know of. Now, there would be manhole covers. Uh, there were, you know, plenty of instances of uh, search crews going through various manhole covers with men going down into them to look. But I believe it was close to the TransLink uh, service area, TransLink being the main public service provider in Northern Ireland, where he he was found eventually. Um, I can't imagine uh, once they ascertained that the... Uh, Noah had gone into that drainage system. I, I'd say the authorities would have imagined at that time that they had a very big and very complicated job ahead of them. And I think I think that was testament to their skill that they were able to able to finally retrieve Noah's body. You know, and there's been criticism about, as you say, elements of the investigation. They didn't lock down the area. You know, people being able to put out their bins, that kind of thing, and maybe. Um, 
CCTV is notoriously difficult to collect, notoriously yeah. unreliable sometimes. A lot of systems delete if if uh, in investigations, if they don't hit, hit the places quick enough, they'll have deleted themselves and all the rest of it. I did read, I don't know whether this is correct, that there is 20 pieces of CCTV footage which do show him making his way, that journey you've described. It would, yeah, there would have been, I mean, if, if that, the area of Belfast city centre he, he went through, it would have been impossible for him to get through there without being picked up on CCTV. Um I believe at one stage as well there was uh, there was CCTV allegedly showing a man with a bike that was believed to be Noah's. Um, although I'm not too sure that was outside the uh, football stadium, but I, I don't think anything actually came of that. Um, but in, in this day day and age, I think it would be impossible for anyone to make it through Belfast city centre, as you say, with the, the shops there, with the time difference in between Noah's disappearance and, and the alarm being raised, it could have gone inside 24 hours. And I think that's maybe a problem that a lot of places may have faced. So the situation as it stands is that the PSNI, as far as we know, are not certainly yet launching as such a criminal investigation into what happens. And they're currently what we believe satisfied that this is a coroner's investigation that will be held. I believe that's the case. Yes, I mean, I think the PSNI have settled on settled on the fact that what what uh, the outcome of of their investigation is. You know that they're happy enough with what they've said has happened to Noah that it was an accident. Why it happened is is beyond beyond anybody's sort of guess. It's it's just such a such a bizarre thing to have happened. It's almost impossible to 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 gauge what happened to Noah. Is. And any evidence that they have, they will, or we will all hear when when the coroner's court happens. I think in January. But until then, unfortunately, speculation will continue. And for the family and their supporters, it is very unsatisfactory to try and comprehend what happened. It, it is it is such a, a strange, strange case, as you say. It's unsatisfactory for the family. It's unsatisfactory for his mother, who's who's had to endure a tremendous amount of media coverage, not not just in Ireland, but around the world. Again, in Fiona's case, she's handled handled herself magnificently with her, her family that's rallied around her. And, and she's also had a tremendous amount of support from people, not just people who speculate about what happened to Noah, but just people that wanted to show her their support. And, you know, in terms of, in terms of, you know, the, the love they have for her, in terms of what she's going through. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully that, um, you know, in the months to come, maybe the answers that they need will 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 come out, um, you know, as unfortunately these the answers are coming too slowly for a family who are in grief like this. Um, but we, we will maybe come back to this story when there's some developments on it, Jamie, if that's, if that's okay with you. So thanks for your time today. No problem. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.
Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.